Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back with the preview for uh, Northwestern in Evanston. Um, that one happens this Sunday. They they up going up against Northwestern to eight and two overall, one and zero in the Big Ten. Um, you know they've got a five point loss to a top twenty five Providence team, um, a four point loss to Wake Forest, and that's the only really losses on their record. Uh, they haven't played a super strong schedule. Um, mostly kind of bunnies in the beginning, other than those two teams. Um, but they do got a seven-point road win at Maryland uh, and beat Georgia by 16. So what's kind of your, your thoughts heading into this one with Northwestern? Kind of another fast start for them this year. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I I think we'll, we'll know more in March, obviously, but I think <laughs> this one is a little more sustainable. Uh-huh. than last year's was. Um, but uh, I, I like their team. I, I guess as a before we get into all of that, the maybe one of the most important things here is that Tom Izzo had a uh, press conference. We're, we're recording this early afternoon on Friday, um, and so he just had a press conference maybe half hour ago, and he says that, all indications are MSU is going to have everyone available, and the same is true for Northwestern. Good. So that's good for us in that we're not guessing. Uh-huh. <laughs> when we, you know, the way we have to approach these things is we make assumptions about who's going to be available, and then you actually see what happens. But uh, it sounds like uh, both teams are in, are presumed to be in good shape heading into this. So that's that's maybe the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to Northwestern. I I think this has been coming and I will admit to being surprised that it's taken this long though, because if you remember, Chris Collins had that breakthrough season, taking him to the tournament for the first time. Yeah. And, and I think the feeling was he was upgrading his recruiting and it seemed to me like he had something sustainable, not that it would be year in year out Northwestern would be a tournament team, but that they would be a threat at at least as often as not to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's been a rough ride. Uh, He's, he's had some truly terrible seasons since then. And frankly, if he were any place other than Evanston, uh, Chris Collins maybe doesn't, continue to get the chance to write the ship but he has and and i think when i when i talk about the recruiting he had a class uh four years ago the class that pete nance is a part of miller cop was a part of before he left for uh um for uh indiana 
And and then he's followed that up with some good groups as well. The recruiting, if as measured by things like player rankings, class rankings, et cetera, has never been better at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. It's it's been at the apex. It just hadn't translated to a lot of wins. And I think that's changing this year. He's got if you look at their team, they should be good. They should be effective. If you've gotten it right with recruiting, with talent, even if these are guys who maybe aren't instant impact players as freshmen, you would think, okay, if they're good players, by the time they're juniors and seniors, they should be pretty good. And if you've got enough of them, your team should be pretty good. Yeah. Well, look at the starting lineup. It's filled with veterans. You've got one guy, Ty Berry, who's a sophomore, who's not a junior or a senior in that lineup and consequently Northwestern is playing a better brand of basketball. So it it shouldn't be surprising that, that this is happening. I think the surprising thing is maybe more like to me, a guy like Pete Nance who we'll get to in more detail in a bit is really emblematic of the whole thing because this is a guy who was, Northwestern won a highly contested recruitment. Michigan wanted him badly. That was Beeline's Michigan. Um, Ohio State wanted him badly. Northwestern got him. And, you know, he has bloodlines. His brother who's an NBA player, a father who is an NBA player, and a slam dunk champion when that meant something. (laughs) Um, You know, all the talent in the world, highly regarded player, and yet it was a process. He was maddeningly inconsistent early in his career. And I think that was disappointing because I think I I know I expected this. I thought Northwestern maybe had finally landed some guys that, that would make impact from day one. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen. It's been a process, but now as a senior, you look at Pete Nance and Pete Nance is a really good basketball player in a league that's filled with a lot of high caliber big men. He does he gets lost in the shuffle. He shouldn't because mm-hmm. he's having a phenomenal year and, and Northwestern as a consequence, I think is a legitimate candidate to be a tournament team. I'm not saying I'm convinced yet, but do they have a chance? Are they a candidate for that? Absolutely. But if for no other reason than, you know, you look around the Big Ten, the last few years, we've gotten used to having a very deep conference, right, where you could be playing the 10th place team on a given day and know that you're going to be in for a battle. Yeah. And and anybody from 10 and up still thinks they've got a chance to make the tournament, right? I, I don't know. I, I had this conversation on the Spartan Mag board last night with some people around Michigan, because Michigan <laughs> lost. <again. laughs> yeah. And... And somebody had said, um, I don't think they're a top half team, meaning top half of the Big Ten, which would mean top seven. And, and at first blush, you look at them and you say, yeah, absolutely. There's no way. But the problem with it is there's 14 teams in the conference. Somebody is going to finish sixth. Mm-hmm. Somebody is going to finish seventh. I mean, that's a fact. That's not a debatable point. And, and the question is, who is that going to be? And you look around, there are not a lot of automatics yeah. in this league at this point. I would say the top four 
has pretty clearly separated itself, at least for the time being. Maybe it'll change. But for right now, based on resumes, it's it's Purdue, Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois, in some order. Purdue's probably going to be everybody's number one, and then I think the other three you would find differing opinions. Mine is that Michigan State has done the most of those teams, but I, I understand arguments to the contrary. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are your top four. Once you get past that, though, okay, who are you taking for five? Wisconsin? Well, Wisconsin's got some nice wins, but they've also got some losses, and I, and I think, I'm going to put this, I think some some real questions about how legitimate they are. Mm-hmm. They've got one great player in Johnny Davis, and then Brad Davison thugs it up and hits some shots occasionally. And that's kind of about it. I don't know that I believe in them. Mm-hmm. Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis is phenomenal, but outside of him, ton of inconsistency. I don't like their point guard play. Um, you know, there are issues there. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, great story. I think they're they're playing as well as you could have the most optimistic Minnesota fan could have expected. Minnesota <laughs> has exceeded that, right? Yeah, yeah. But do you really do you look at them and think, well, that's a that's a first division team, that's a tournament team? I don't know about that. Uh, Iowa, come on. <laughs> you see what they're, I mean? And, they're and I'm still talking doing about, Iowa things. <laughs> Same and story I'm talking with them. about teams that that have had mostly good stories so far. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about Michigan, Maryland, who's been awful, Penn State, Nebraska. I mean, you just go up and down the conference, and outside of those top four teams, man, I don't see anybody right now that I look at and say I believe in that group. Yeah. So, to bring it back around, you know, the, the conversation about Michigan is, yeah, I don't think they're good at all. But could they finish seventh? Yeah, they could. Because somebody's got to win those games. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those teams are all going to play each other. Someone has to win. Someone has to lose. Somebody's going to win enough games that they're going to finish in seventh and in sixth and in fifth. And, and you know, you, you just – but to then bring it really back around to our subject for today, Northwestern, I think right now, based on the merits – I like Northwestern as much as any team in the conference outside of those top four. Doesn't mean they'll finish fifth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that some, you know, somebody like Indiana probably has a higher ceiling. You know, I, I wouldn't argue that. Um, I think you could say teams like Michigan and Maryland probably have higher ceilings, but in terms of the way they've played and, how I keep using this word sustainable, but how sustainable it looks to me, at least at this point going forward, I like Northwestern's odds as much as anybody. And if they finished, you know, fifth, sixth in the conference, they're probably going to be a tournament team. Mm -hmm. So this is a, this is a big game for Michigan state going on the road. uh, You got hammered by these guys last year in this game. I think that will be used as motivation for sure. But Make no mistake, this is a good basketball team, mm-hmm. and yeah, they're hey, they're one and they're one and zero in the conference, so they they're feeling good about themselves. Yeah, and that's I mean that's kind of the last time, last sort of sort of 
part of the schedule you want to play somebody like a Northwestern before they've been like brutalized by the Big Ten's schedule. Now they have confidence. You know, they think they can win. They can, you know, they got all the confidence in the world and they should. Right. Uh, right. So they're rated 40th in Ken Palm overall, 47th on offense, 43rd on defense. Um, MSU is 22 on offense, 28 on defense. Uh, so on yeah, these, la- these last two games against Oakland and High Point really hurt the defensive rating. Yeah, for Michigan State on the on the other end, it's really boosted the offense. The, yeah, that's been so, slowly ticking up every single game. The offense. Hey, if you make shots and you don't kick the ball around excessively, you're gonna have a pretty good offense, mm-hmm. and and that's what we're seeing. Uh, so Northwestern they minimize turnovers, fourth in the nation in turnover percentage. Um, Three-point percentage, 36.2, which is good for 65th. And they shoot it well from the free throw line, 78.9. Yeah. I, the the negatives, the, the, the thing is, those positives also have a couple negatives associated with them. So they're a good three-point shooting team. Not a great one, but a good one. Mm-hmm. And they're a very, very good free throw shooting team. The problem is they don't get a lot of either of those kind of shots up. They are... And I don't with the threes. I don't know if that's as much by design or just kind of happenstance. But they're not getting enough threes up, in my opinion. And they really don't get to the free throw line. When mm-hmm. when you could shoot near eighty percent as a team, God, if you could even be getting you know twenty free throw attempts a game, you'd feel good about it. But they just they're, they're not built that way. Uh-huh. Uh, some of the other problems they have offensive rebounding 265th in the country and the yeah. two point percentage is just kind of mediocre. Yeah. Neither, neither of those things a huge, um, surprise to me. Uh, philosophically, I think that, you know, Chris Collins has not had offensive rebounding as a major component of what he tries to do. So they, they kind of forego that, mm-hmm. um, the uh, the two point shooting I think is again a reflection of the kind of players they have. They don't have. I think Nance is having a really good year, but they don't have a really. Di- He's not a pure post player, yeah, per se. And they don't have guards. Their guards are jump shooters mostly. They're not guys who are constantly going to the rack and and you know scoring layups or getting fouled. Um, that's not their game. So. Uh, but and, and they're also not, although they play fast, they're not really a great transition team either. Mm-hmm. So all of those things are going to hold your two-point percentage down a bit. Yeah, that's interesting how fast they play on offense, 57. They did it, they did it last year too. People forget, you know, and, and Big Ten play obviously slows everybody down a little bit. But when they when – they, I was looking at an article last year around this time, and they were even faster. At that point, they were like in the top 30. So it is something that Chris Collins has found with this group, and I think it works. Um, But they they do want to play fast. They're just, you know, people sometimes hear that and they think that means you're flying up and down the court playing 94-foot basketball. Not necessarily so. Mm. I think Northwestern is quicker in the half court. They'll, They'll look to generate a good shot early, and they'll take good shots as they come available. They won't. They won't play kind of a Wisconsin, let's bleed the clock kind of game. Yeah. Uh, so on defense, there's two areas that they're really sort of elite at. Two-point percentage, they're second in the nation in that. Yeah. Uh, and defensive rebounding, where they're 10th. 
Yep. Really good, and those two things go together They're because their defenders are near the rim a lot, so they're kind of packed in. Mm. Um, it also helps that Nance is averaging two blocks per game. I think they're 12th as a team in block percentage, so that helps with your two-point defense. But in general, this is a team It's it's not easy to get two-point baskets against, and if you do miss – you're going to have a devil of a time getting second shots. That's going to be an interesting thing. Can Michigan State turn in some second-chance point opportunities? It's going to be a challenge because this team, for as bad as they are as an offensive rebounding team, they're that good defensively. Mm-hmm. So they, they that's what you want. I mean, that to me is a sign. This is why I'm saying I see signs of sustainability in Northwestern. If you do – a really good job limiting your opponent's success from two and you grab rebounds when they miss that's i mean that's the gold standard that <laughs> yeah, is get you a lot you do wins. you do those two things you're going to be pretty good now they have weaknesses there's a reason they're not in the top 20 defensively only in the top 50 but those two things that generally is going to play mm-hmm. you know for the whole year if you do it at the levels that they're doing it. Uh, and they give up a lot of three-point attempts, um, yeah. and they're having success. Teams are making them. Uh, one yep. area that Michigan State might be able to get them on. Exactly, and that's a that's a problem. That's why, as I say, that's the reason they're not top, they're not top 20. Um, they give up a lot of threes. I think it's by design. They, you know, you can't, you can't take away everything. Mm-hmm. So they choose to emphasize certain things. They've Chris Collins has chosen. We're going to, we're going to make it tough on you inside the arc in the lane in the paint. Um, and it means that we're going to, we're going to play off shooters. We're going to look to congest the lane, make it tough. But if you get an open jumper from deep, you're going to, you know, you're going to get those looks and teams have been hitting their clip and you're right against Michigan state at least based on what teams have done to date this season, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you look at their starters, Rod, Boo Booey, 6'2", uh, Spartan killer over his career. It just yeah, uh, He's the junior now. He leads the Big Ten in assists per game at 5.7, scoring for almost 15 points a game on 39, 32, and 82. Yeah, he's he's become a really good player. Uh Early, when they first got him, I was dubious about the idea of his being a point guard. He looked to me like a guy who was kind of a fake point guard. And and by that, I mean, sometimes you see guys that they have a good handle. They can occasionally make a, a, an impressive pass, play for somebody else. But constitutionally, they're not point guards. They're, they're scorers, you know. And that, to me, was the kind of guy he seemed to be, like questionable shot selection. It, for, for those who don't know, uh, he's the younger brother of former Penn State star Taylor Battle. And if you remember the way Taylor Battle played, Taylor Battle was kind of a freewheeling guard, good, really good player. Um, but Boo Booey was kind of, I thought, a similar kind of player constitutionally, and I, I didn't know. I didn't think that meant that he would be a guy capable of running a team. Well, you flash forward a couple of years and look, he still takes questionable shots occasionally, mm. but this is a guy who's matured into a very good player. Um, 
you mentioned he's leading the league in assists. He's also got about a two and a half to one ratio going assist to turnover. So he's doing, it's not just, he's making plays for others. He's also not making a ton of mistakes. Mm. That's, that's important. And he's scoring, um, you know, the, the three, what was the three point shooting number on him? Uh, 32, right? Not great. And, and that, again, I think personally, I think that's a reflection of issues he still has in terms of shot selection. I think if he was more judicious there, you'd see that number tick up. To me, when I watch him play, he'll he'll still take two or three shots a game where you're like, wow, that's just not in rhythm. <laughs> it's just not open. You know, he'll do those things. But I also think he's a guy who is really important to them because the energy he plays with, and I don't just mean running around, I mean, you know, being dynamic, mm-hmm. making, trying to make things happen. I think that's really important for them. The, the Big Ten right now, in my opinion, this is, if you compare it especially with, say, two, three years ago, you know, we had periods where you had guys like Cassius Winston, Tony Carr, Xavier Simpson, mm-hmm. um, and other, Marcus Carr, all running around. Um, the big 10 by comparison right now, I don't think is very deep at the point guard position. There's, I think there's a credible argument that Tyson Walker might be the best two way point guard in the league (laughs) and he's been good, but you know, that, that, that says something to me. Boo Booey is in that conversation too, though, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, very good player and a key to this team. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, he's been an MSU killer. His yeah. first two years, all those those two or three shots that you watch a game that you think yep. is not in rhythm, they always, always yep. seem to go he in hit, against Michigan. He's State. hit them against <laughs> Michigan State, so we got to hope that that streak runs out. Uh, and then Chase Aldich, six four junior, has been hurt uh, most of the season, but he has returned over the last three games, uh, averaging eleven points a game. Struggled from three, only one for ten, um, but forty two percent from the floor and hundred percent from the line. Yeah, that, that three-point number will tick up. He shot 34% last year. And and the thing about him is he's another guy. He's just a scorer. He's a, he's a three-level offensive player, um, can, do, uh, can really do it all, and um, offensively at least. And uh, I think it's just taking some time for him to kind of find his way back. He's been the, the big negative, and we're going to get to this in more detail, though, is Northwestern really, by virtue of the schedule and then a couple cancellations, really hasn't played very much in December. Mm-hmm. So he's been back since the beginning of the month, but he's only played three games. So that probably hasn't helped him acclimate quicker but eventually it's going to come we just we have to hope it's after sunday mm-hmm. uh and then ty berry 6'3 sophomore 8.5 points a game 42 from the floor 47 from three and 43 from the line yeah a really good shooter the the criticism would be he doesn't take enough shots mm-hmm. they got a couple guys like that where you look at their numbers like why doesn't this guy shoot more um, he's, he's interesting. I thought when he came in last year, I thought he might end up being the point guard because again, I wasn't convinced on Bowie being that guy. It hasn't worked out that way, but he's found a niche for mm-hmm. sure. And, and obviously you have a guy shooting near 50% from three. That's somebody you got to cover. <laughs> yeah. 
and then Robbie Brand, 6'9", junior, uh, 6.3 points a game for him, 52 from the floor, 35 from three, and 83 from the line. Uh, and he's grabbing almost f- five boards a game in 22 minutes. I I will I will say this about Robbie Baran. I think he is one of the biggest enigmas in the entire conference. And I say I've been saying that since he got there. He was another guy who was very highly regarded as a recruit and he played a lot right away. Mm-hmm. But when you look at how efficiently he does things and then you compare that to his actual production it's it would be maddening to me if I were Purdue, if I were a Northwestern fan, because he's a guy to me. It just screams, why doesn't he do more? Why doesn't <laughs> yeah. he take more shots? You know, he's a very tough cover. He's a, a legitimate floor stretcher. Yet he's got size enough. He could do some things around the rim too. Passes well. Good rebounder. I. He's a solid player. But to me, and he's a junior now, so you have to, it's legitimate to wonder, is he ever going to impose himself enough on games to really um, maximize what he's got? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's confusing to me, but, a, but an effective player. Yeah. Yeah. I'm six. Yeah. That's the thing. 6.3 points. He's a starting five. He's a junior. I mean, that just does not seem like very much. Um, well, and he's always, I mean, this year he's actually down a little bit. What is he? 34% from three. He's had yeah. years, I think where he was near to 40 and yet he, the scoring numbers are still always kind of around that six, seven, eight points a game. Cause he just doesn't take many shots. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about this since he started there. It's like, why doesn't this guy do more? <laughs> uh, and then Pete Nance, six ten senior, um, man, Really kind of a breakout year. 16.3 points a game, eight rebounds. That's both uh, highs on that team. And two blocks a game. You know, he's shooting uh, 53, 42, and 85 from the floor. So it's all come together for him. I mentioned it's been a it's been a, a long winding path for Pete Nance because so much was expected of him early. And he was riddled. Now, he was not a guy like Moran or Barry where you're like, why doesn't he do more? He was trying to do things. He was just extremely inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And I think last season he started to find himself, and then this year it's just exploded. He Again, in a league that's filled with good big men, Pete Nance doesn't get discussed ever. He's never brought up in these discussions, we haven't yeah. brought them up. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I talk about this all the time, how many high quality big men there are in the league and Pete Nance never gets mentioned. And then you look at the season he's having and it's like, wow, this is a guy <laughs> who, you know, other, other than maybe Coburn and the Purdue guys, which you kind of have to uh, put on a sliding scale because they're splitting minutes. But other than those guys, is there anybody who's having a better season than Pete Nance? Well, Liddell, I guess Liddell too. You got to count Liddell. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem. You keep going down the and and then you know there are guys like Dickinson at Michigan who's not having a great year, but is still a guy who in any game could go for twenty and ten, no problem. Yeah. Um, Marcus Bainham, we talk about all the time having a tremendous year for Michigan State, uh, and there are other guys around the league you have to you have to think about as well. But um, 
you know, Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, <laughs> but but Pete Nance, statistically, and the impact he's having on his team, he's in there with anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you look at off the bench, Rod, Ryan Young, 6'10", uh, 10.6 points a game, 3.8 rebounds, 17 minutes a game, um, 64% from the floor, 81 from the line. He's, you know, the, we talk about how many good big men there are in the conference, and then you get to depth. Now, this was something that was um, put on display for Michigan State fans in the high point game, yeah. where their backup fives because Bingham couldn't play, really didn't play all that well. And I, I still think that on balance, Julius Marvel's a pretty good backup five. Um, you look around the conference, Purdue is in a category of its own, clearly, but. Mm-hmm. Absent them, I don't know that anybody has a better backup five than Northwestern. And and when you consider how good Nance is as the starter, that's really something. Young is, is just one of those guys who knows who he is. He doesn't ever try to do things outside of himself, hence shooting mid-60s from the floor. Mm-hmm. He hasn't taken a three this year. He doesn't get seduced into that. Decent rebounder. I mean... Almost 11 points a game in 17 minutes. That's really good production. <laughs> yeah. That's really good production. And he's just, again, he's a big body, knows how to use that to create space. He's a good finisher. I, I've always liked it since he since he started. He redshirted as a freshman, but since he started actually playing for them, I think he's been pretty close to this. He's been really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, he is one of those guys, I think, defensively because he's not all that mobile you can maybe sometimes get into into a diminishing returns sort of situation the more minutes he might play. But, man, it's just about no perfect mm-hmm. how they're using him. Uh, and then Ryan Greer, 6'2", senior. Um, and Greer, six points a game, five-to-one one assist ratio. Um, yeah. Doing pretty yeah. well for a backup. And he's shooting the ball well. What's he shooting? This, um, I don't know, some reason there's a blank space on there. Uh, huh. Okay, he's shooting, he's, he's, he's shooting in the 40s. Sorry, folks, there's a dog going off. Um, <laughs> he's shooting in the 40s. Okay. Um, and I, if you would have told me, two years ago that Ryan Greer would be playing like this. I wouldn't have believed it. I, to me, Ryan Greer seemed overwhelmed by the big 10. They, they took him because they had a, they had an emergency. They had a kid and I'm drawing a blank on his name. who was fairly highly regarded as a point guard recruit who the school ended up not admitting in the summer. It was a late decision for that too. So they were really scrambling. This was after McIntosh had left. They didn't have a point guard. They went and got Greer, and he reclassified. So he was young as well and not a highly regarded player. He came in and just was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. That was the year where, if you remember, they ended up using Vic Law at the point a lot. Oh, yeah. They really had a tough situation. But Greer kept at it. And now when, when you're talking about a backup, who can get you shoots in the mid forties from three 
Uh, five to one assist to turnover ratio. So he makes plays for other people and he never makes mistakes. That's, I mean, you can't ask for better than that if you're Chris Collins. So another guy like Ryan Young, these two guys, they don't, they don't wow you when you look at them, you know, their physical tools their athleticism, whatever, but man, they're productive and they know who they are. They play within themselves. That's, that's big stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Casey Simmons, six, six freshman, um, who had started in Ottage's spot until he came back, but um, he's averaging four points a game, 45 from the floor, 30 from three, and 69 from the line. Yeah, he's he's the next guy I think they believe is going to be a, a major impact player for them. Um, as you say, he started when Ottage was hurt. Now he's moved back to a reserve role, which is probably going to be a little easier for him. Good athlete, good size on the wing, lots of talent, lots of ability. It's going to take some time. The three-point shot isn't quite dialed in yet, but I I think they believe it'll get there. They've had him ticketed as a a key guy for them going forward, probably the next face of the team um, since they landed him. Mm -hmm. And I think for the most part, he's looked looked the part. Yeah. Uh, And then Elijah Williams, 6'7", 220-pound grad transfer from Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, averaging 3.8 points, 2.9 rebounds in 15 minutes, um, and shooting 43, 27, and 50. Yeah, a good addition for them. You know, they didn't need a guy to come in and be a star. They needed a guy to fill a role in the rotation. He's he's an Evanston native, so he's coming home. Um, when I watch him play, uh, and I've seen Northwestern play a few times this year, um, he always seems to me to be a guy who's bringing energy and some toughness, just kind of throws his body around a little bit, tries to make things happen mm-hmm. um, in a limited role. That's great. Uh, and then Julian Roper, Detroit uh, area native, 6'3", freshman, um, 3.4 points a game, 3.2 rebounds in 18 minutes, um, 29 from the floor, 33 from 364 from the line. I, I think he's going to be really good. He, he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit in state, you know, that class last year, you know, this year's freshman class had three really highly regarded perimeter guys. You had Jaden Akins and Pierre Brooks who came to Michigan state, Kobe Bufkin who ended up at Michigan. And then Julian Roper was the fourth guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a little unfair to him because I think he's going to be a really good player. The fact that as a freshman, he's getting 18 minutes a game for <laughs> Northwestern. And that's probably going to shrink a little bit now that Audage is back. Mm-hmm. But he's still firmly in their rotation. I think he's going to be really good. There's nothing about Julian Roper that you get, about his game that really leaps out. You're like, oh, wow, like with Jaden Akins where he's just a freak athlete, you know. Um, there's nothing like that. But he's just solid, mm-hmm. and he's been that way since he was in high school. He's been that way. So I think uh, over time, he and Simmons are going to be a really good combination for them on the wings yeah. um, for this next iteration of Northwestern basketball. But the thing, the thing that I think is most impressive about this is they've got now with Audage back, they have a legitimate 10-man rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at that bench and every one of those guys is a serious contributor. You know, they've all got a role. 
So it's, you know, Williams, where he throws his body around, makes some things happen. Greer runs the show, hits some shots. Ryan Young, really good around the rim and gives him another big body. You know, Simmons and um, and Roper, good athletic young wings come in and give you solid minutes both ways. This is, a, this is again, part of why I look at Northwestern and I think, I think this can, I think this can continue. I think they can win games. Mm-hmm. Um, they they go ten deep. They've got experience in that starting lineup. They've got guys who know who they are and play within that. I I, I like this team. I really do. Uh, yeah. So the if you look at the keys, Rob, uh, the first key is who's going to be sharp in this one. They both coming off. Uh, very little games played in December. Michigan State's only had two games since December 11th. Um, a win over Penn State, and then Northwestern has only played three games in the entire month of December, and none since December 20th. Yeah, for for as much as Michigan State, you had to you had to think, well, they they had some rust to knock off. I that's the one that's the biggest thing for me if I'm Chris Collins that I'm worried about in this game is I, my team will not have played for it's going to be almost two weeks. It'll be 13 days mm-hmm. by the time Sunday rolls around <clears throat> and they only played two games in the, in the three weeks before that. So there's been no real game action to speak of, you know, um, Michigan state hasn't played a lot either, but Michigan state did just play. Yeah. And and that's a potentially a big difference. We'll have to see. I mean, look, these are not hard and fast things. Sometimes a team can have a lot of time off. You think they're going to have rust to to kick off, and and they come in and they just shoot in the house like a house of fire. You know, it happens. But I would expect that Michigan State will have a little bit of an advantage in that way. Yeah. Uh, and then also you got to think of Bingham, Christie, and Brooks having to sit out um, for COVID. Yep. Now, is it – did they have COVID or were they just like uh, – They don't specify these things. My assumption is that they all tested positive. No, I do not think that they were just in protocol because of close contacts. My assumption is that, that they tested positive um, would, would almost have to be the case the way things are being mm-hmm. done now. So um, it seems like they were likely in all likelihood fairly unsymptomatic or not affected by it too much. If I, I think I, my, my assumption would be asymptomatic or extremely mild symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, according to Izzo today, he expects them all back. Uh, and then the third, oops, sorry, second key threes. Northwestern yeah. difficult in limiting attempts, and they've had success from three. Uh, but MSU's coming in now up to 39.6% from three. Yeah, top ten in the nation, by the way. For those who early in the year lamented how this team couldn't shoot, <laughs> despite Tom Izzo telling you he thought it was going to be one of his better shooting teams, I think we see who's won that one. Um, look. Any team can have a bad game shooting from range. That that just happens. But I think you look at this game, and it seems pretty obvious to me that this is going to be a key factor. 
Mm. Northwestern gives up a lot of three-point attempts, and they give up good looks because teams are having some success against them. Michigan State is a very good three-point shooting team. Now, they're on the road. Anybody can have a bad day, so you don't know for sure. But if you're handicapping it, this would seem to be an area that really plays into Michigan State's, to Michigan State's advantage. Um, I will admit, I did not think they would be quite this good a shooting team. I thought they'd be much better than they were last year, and I thought they had a chance to be good. But to be knocking on the door of 40% as a team, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're starting to make me wonder if they can actually sustain this for a little while longer they start to get into, I think the Valentine Forbes team in 16 ended up around 43% as a team. Now there's still a long way to go to get there. You know, it's not easy to raise it another three and a half percent from here, but if they, you know, the way they've been shooting over basically since the Bahamas, they're above that. Mm -hmm. So it's not impossible. I wouldn't count on it, but regardless, this is a very good shooting Michigan State team. And the, and the thing that makes them difficult to deal with is so many guys are effective. You know, Gabe Brown is the first guy on the scouting report in that regard, right? Mm. And rightly so. But um, when you go beyond him, you got Tyson Walker shooting plus 50%. You got Malik Hall shooting plus 50%. You know, Jaden Akins, I think, is above 40% as a freshman. Um, and and now you've got maybe some signs of Max Christie and Joey Hauser, who on paper you would have figured would have been two of your three best guys, along with Brown, uh-huh. coming into the season. Those guys are maybe starting to show some signs that they're coming out of it. If they get rolling, whew. <laughs> I mean, I don't. You you've got basically everybody. Most of the time, Michigan State with the lineups they play. Um, if you if you factor in that Bingham can actually shoot a three occasionally, yeah, and he's made I a couple. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't label him as a threat per se, but Michigan State and and by the way, AJ Holgard, who really isn't a shooter. He missed one the other day, but he's four for 11 on the season, which isn't bad for being a Mm -hmm. non-shooter. They just don't have a lot of guys that you can just relax and give an open look to, you know, and um, that's a real, that's a, and and when a team runs offense the way that Michigan State does, where you know they're going to create those looks, that's, man, that is tough to deal with. So, Big, big factor in this game. You can you can guess and assume that Michigan State's going to get a lot of looks. Do they hit them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third key, turnovers. Uh, Northwestern among the best in the nation at limiting mistakes. Uh, and Michigan State's done be- significantly better in the last five or six games. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're, get- they're getting better. And it's going to be big in this game, obviously, because – you don't want to have, as we say all the time, you don't want to have these, you know, seven, eight turnover differentials. Yeah. You know, that that's where it starts to get dangerous, where they have that many more opportunities to score against you. Mm. Okay. So the fourth key, Rod, ones and fives. Yeah, and by that I mean the position designation, one being the point guard, five being the center. 
Northwestern's two best players are Boo Booey and Pete Nance. So you've got to deal with those guys when you're when you're playing Northwestern. They're going to be at the top of every team scouting report, right? Yeah. And although Michigan State's guys, at least statistically, at those two positions aren't doing as much as Northwestern's two guys, I do think they are well positioned to play those guys straight up. Mm. Um, and they need to, they need to, they need to, if they can, maybe a better way to put it is if they can, Michigan state is in great shape to win this game. Um, Tyson Walker and AJ Hogard, I think can certainly, uh, pose issues for Bowie. Uh, Tyson, especially I think defensively, and he's coming off his worst game of the season, in my opinion, against high point. But prior to that, mm-hmm. he'd been really good for basically since the Bahamas. Um, and Hogard actually did play very well against High Point. And although I still think he's a player with some limitations, he's also a pretty damn good backup. Yeah. Um, so Michigan State, I think, is well positioned. I, I like it, if Tyson Walker can defend the way he's capable of defending, I would, I would hope that he can do some bit of a job in slowing Bowie down. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the hope. Um, and then at the five, that's a more interesting matchup because, you know, Markey obviously has a huge impact on games defensively. The problem is Nance is not your hang around the basket five man. He's capable of stretching the floor. I think he's shooting plus 40% from three so far this year. Um, he's just a good all around player. And he truly can be a stretch five that poses a little more of a challenge for Bingham. But I still think Marcus obviously can have a big impact in this game and hopefully can at least limit some of the things Nance can do. And then at the other end, pose some problems for Nance with the way Marcus can offensive rebound, the way he can score around the rim, the way he can do some things in transition, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that that's going to be big. I think the the one spot and the five spot in this game. Uh, and then Road Warriors. MSU's only played two true road games this year uh, and won both of them, Butler and Minnesota, fairly comfortably. Yeah. Now, this is the best team I think they will have played. I think I right now I put Northwestern a little bit ahead of Minnesota. It's it's close. Both definitely better than Butler. Um, but the fact is not only Michigan State win those games, they won those games pretty easily. The Minnesota game got a little closer on the scoreboard, but if you remember, that was, I think, at one point in the second half, like a 19-point game. Yeah. Um, And they beat Butler by 21, if I recall correctly. So um, Michigan State not only has won road games, they played very well. Mm -hmm. And I think this winning this game would further – cement the idea that yeah this is a team that is psychologically built for succeeding on the road because you you've got to be able to deal with you've got to have two elements you've got to have poise meaning you got to be able to limit the mistakes limit the way that the opposing crowd gets to you and affects the game and the tempo and the atmosphere and all that and then you also have to be able to rise above adversity because you know that in those situations there are going to be moments Mm-hmm. where the other team gets momentum. They feed off their crowd. You know, those moments are going to happen. And you have to be able to ride that out and find ways through it. So far, and granted, limited sample size. We only have two examples. But so far, I think Michigan State 
has played pretty well in those environments. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think this will be a tougher environment than either of the first two. It might be a little better team, but it's not a tougher environment. You know, Northwestern home crowds are, I, I would expect there'll be a decent Michigan state turnout. <laughs> yeah, there usually is there. there usually is. And you know, the Northwestern crowd just is not the same as a lot of these other places, Minnesota, Butler, especially, but Minnesota as well. Those are, those are tough buildings to play in. So um, it's a challenge for Michigan State, but one I hope that they're up to, and I think the indications they've given us so far this year would suggest that there's a good chance they will be. Okay. Well, any final thoughts heading into this one, Rod? It's a it's a big game. You know, it's certainly not a must by any means. You know, Michigan State's two and zero in the league. Um, you're playing a team that, you know, again I think has shown enough to suggest they've got. They've got reason to believe in themselves, too. Mm -hmm. So it's not like this is a rollover game. But if you're Michigan State and if you are thinking seriously about wanting to contend in this league, which right now they have no reason but to think any other, you know, they've got no reason to think any other way. They should believe that they can contend in this league based on what's happened thus far. This is a game you want to get. It's not that you won't play worse opponents on the road because you will. But again, for those reasons I I suggested, this is a road game that doesn't always feel like a, like a typical road game in the big 10. And so, but it counts as one, (laughs) you know, it counts as one for seating purposes. It counts as one in standings. You want to get it. So I, and, and last year getting wiped out in Evanston, I think is a factor too. Yeah. So, um, all those things kind of combined and, uh, you know, you have to, you have to hope that, um, Michigan state is ready to answer the bell. Okay. Well, this one's uh, two o'clock on Sunday, big 10 network, uh, until the uh, post game to that, we'll see you then. The final four is not on the schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.